Thank you, Nesya, for that recitation. It's uh, wonderful to hear the words of David as uh, God was moving him in uh, writing this, these devotional thoughts toward the Lord. And uh, there is a bit of a connection to our message today. Uh, from Psalm 139, uh, David uh, said, uh, For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. David is speaking there about the fact that uh, he was created by God, and God created him in his mother's womb. And then he says, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. And uh, so David, recognizing the amazing job God did in creating his body, uh, and today we will be thinking about uh, part of the amazing um, design of God in creating us not just as a body, but as a family. Now, before we uh, uh, shift into our passage in Matthew, let's commit our time to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your love to us. We thank you. You did create us, and you created us to live in families, and in particularly in your family. And so we ask as we uh, think about these things this morning that you will direct our thoughts and that we will uh, come out uh, uh, glorifying you more for this creation of yours. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we are in Matthew. Uh, we'll finish up chapter 12. We've been for, for quite a few weeks in chapter 12. And uh, the last few verses will start in verse 46. So Matthew 12, verse 46 says, while he was still talking to the multitudes, this is Jesus, he was talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers, his own family, his own natural family, stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he, that is Jesus, answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother? And who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister, and mother. In uh, 1974, August 8, a wonderful thing happened. A baby boy was born to my family. That baby boy was me. So for me, that was a very important date. It uh, still is an important date. I celebrate it almost every year. and. Um, uh, today, I want to think of the fact that I wasn't just born, but I was born into a family. My mother and uh, my father cared for me. They uh, 
uh, would change my diaper, they would feed me, uh, they would put me to bed, uh, they would hold me, uh, they gave me everything I needed as a baby, and uh, they continued to give me uh, everything I needed uh, over the years as I grew up. I remember my mom helping me uh, with my homework. She would write every other word in my uh, answers, my essay questions, just to try to get me to do my homework. Um, when uh, it was time for me and my wife to buy a house, my parents helped us uh, toward the down payment. Uh, the rest of the down payment actually came from Sharon's family, so they too loved their daughter and provided for her. So it's clear that my parents loved me, they helped me uh, succeed in this world. Uh, a lot of, of uh, who I am uh, could be traced to them and their, their special care uh, for me. Jesus also uh, had a natural family. We know he was born to Mary. Uh, her husband, Joseph, was Jesus' adopted father. Jesus was not biologically his son, but uh, he recognized Jesus as his son uh, all the same. And, uh, and he and Mary provided a loving home for Jesus, they took care of him. He needed to be fed, he needed to be changed, he needed to be held. Uh, they may have been involved in his education, uh, career planning. I, I'm sure Joseph wanted Jesus to learn the trade of being a carpenter. Um, we see some of their care for him in uh, Luke chapter two. Luke chapter 2, uh, they went with uh, Jesus to the temple, as was their custom every Passover. And uh, when they went back home to Nazareth, Jesus stayed behind. Uh, he recognized his father, his heavenly father's will, to minister to those people who were coming to the temple, uh, and perhaps the religious leaders at the temple, and so he stayed behind. His mother and father missed him and came back to the temple looking for him. And in Luke 2, verse 48, we pick up the passage. It says, so when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. They were worried about Jesus. They loved Jesus. They cared for him. And when they couldn't find him, they were anxious about the Lord Jesus, who at the time was a 12 or maybe 13-year-old boy. Jesus said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? We see here that Jesus had two fathers. He had his earthly father, Joseph, but he also had his heavenly father, God. And he was, in effect, part of two families, a natural family and a supernatural <coughs> family. 
And we want to recognize that he was a member of both at the same time. Jesus was both the son of Joseph and he was the son of God. Now we see here Jesus submitting to his earthly father, Joseph, and his mother. Uh, he did not rebel against their authority because he was still as a child committed to them and responsible to honor them. Verse 53, 50, sorry, says, but they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he, Jesus, went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Now, fast forward to our passage in Matthew chapter 12. We see him ministering. He has uh, already been baptized by John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit has come upon him. John the Baptist pointed to him as the Messiah. Uh, Jesus has now been going out and preaching the gospel, teaching in the synagogues, performing miracles, all pointing to him as Israel's Messiah. He was uh, gathering disciples. He was teaching and training his disciples. And the multitudes were gathering around him, and he was teaching them the word of God. And we're told in verse 46, while he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. I think it's worth noting that they were on the outside. Uh, his mother and brothers could have been among his close disciples. Uh, they could have uh, been being trained by Jesus to preach the kingdom of heaven. But they did not. Why not? Because we are told in John chapter 7, verse 5, for even his brothers did not believe in him. Jesus' own brothers did not believe he was Israel's Messiah, or they did not trust him to be their savior. They did not know him as the son of God. And as a result, they were not among his disciples. They could have been among the multitudes. They could have been, well, we're not ready to commit ourselves to follow Jesus, but we would like to hear what he has to say. But they were not among the multitudes. They were outside the house wanting Jesus to come and to speak to them. Why did they want Jesus to come and speak to, to him? Why did they want to have a word with him? Uh, there's a couple of passages that um, might recommend an answer. One is John 7 that I just read to you. In that passage, uh, it says that his brothers therefore said to him, depart from here and go into Judea that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Uh, Jesus was performing miracles, but he was mostly performing them in the backwaters of Galilee. It wasn't the center of Judaism, 
and his brothers in the Gospel of John encourage him to go out openly into Jerusalem and perform his miracle publicly in the temple perhaps so that everyone would believe in him. No one would have the audacity to reject the Messiah. They thought if he would minister in such a public way in the very center of Judaism. Uh, now we recognize that they said it with a lack of faith. Had they believed in Jesus, they would believe that Jesus knew what he was doing. Uh, Jesus didn't come to take over Israel as a king messiah and to rule over the world. He came to die to pay for our sins, to save us from our sins. And he was hated. He told his brothers after this passage, you don't understand. The message that I'm bringing is not popular. It will not be received. I will be crucified. And they, in a sense, would be hurrying him toward that end uh, instead of helping him uh, in having people come to faith in him. Uh, the other option we see in Mark chapter 3 says, Then the multitude came together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. But when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. We don't know whether his own people actually includes his brothers and his mother. It's possible that it did, or it could have just been other relatives uh, that came and felt that Jesus was uh, overdoing himself. Uh, he was surrounded by the multitudes. He and his disciples didn't even have time to eat. And they felt, Jesus, you're going to weary yourself out with this kind of ministry. You're going to burn out. Uh, you need to, to chill a little bit, uh, relax, uh, take some time off, maybe go on a vacation, and come back into the ministry more refreshed. Uh, in either case, I think it's reasonable to suppose that Jesus' mother and brother came to him out of love. They loved Jesus. They wanted to help Jesus in some way or another. Uh, and yet, they were out of place. They were outside. They were not following him, following him as disciples, and they were not even listening to him as the multitudes. <clears throat> and we see Jesus does not come out to them. Then one said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? He wasn't going to give them that special place of recognition as his family uh, that would require him to go out to them. He was not obligated. He was no longer a child. He was an adult. And he was serving in capacity as Israel's Messiah. He was doing the work of his father in um, the passage I read before from Luke, he said, Do you not know I must be about my father's business? At that time, he was obligated to stop his father's business and go and be under his parents. At this time, he is no longer required. He is now acting in capacity as Israel's Messiah. And there was no need for him to submit himself to his mother anymore. 
And so he does not uh, go out to them. He was busy training his disciples. He was teaching people about the way of salvation. And that was more important, uh, perhaps, than spending time with his family. And certainly, if they came with the kind of advice they came to him in the Gospel of John and uh, Mark, uh, that would be inappropriate. Uh, that would not be helpful uh, at all to his ministry. Instead, Jesus uses it, uses, uses this situation as a teaching opportunity. Who is my mother and who are my brothers was the question he asked the one who told him. And then he stretched out his hands toward his disciples saying, here are my mothers, my mo here are my brothers, I'm sorry, here are my mother and my brothers. He gave his disciples this special place. He recognized that he had a special relationship uh, with them, um, a close relationship. They were his brothers and mother in his heavenly, uh, I'm sorry, his supernatural family. And that's what we want uh, to think about this morning. Now, there was an evidence that they were in his um, supernatural family. Uh, he says in verse 50, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. <coughs> we don't become, uh, we don't enter God's family by uh, fully obeying God's will, right? We can't. We are sinners. And uh, the entryway into the kingdom of heaven is through faith in Christ. He says in John 1, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It's by receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior that we become God's children. Now, if we are God's children, it will become evident because we will be doing God's will. Right? So that's the order of event. We receive Jesus as our Savior, and then we are made God's children, and then we want to do the will of our Heavenly Father. And as we are doing the will of our Heavenly Father, we're exhibiting the fact that we are members of his family. And so Jesus could say, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, we want to think about this supernatural family that we become part of <coughs> when we receive the Lord Jesus uh, and recognize that this was a very central part of God's work. This was a very central part of God's plan. It's not a bonus. Well, my sins are forgiven and I'm going to heaven. And just as one more bonus, I'm also part of God's family. Uh, this is central to God's plan of salvation. We were children of the devil, we're told 
in the Gospel of John because we were doing the will of our father, the devil. And God takes us out of that family and transfers us into his family where we are God's children and we do the will of God. Jesus speaks of this new reality in John 17, and this is known as Jesus' uh, uh, priestly prayer. He prays for his disciples before he departs from this world. And in John 17, verse 20, it says, I do not pray for these alone, meaning just for his disciples who were before him at the time, but for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be made one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. God wanted us, Jesus wanted us to be united to each other the same way that he is united to God the Father. He wants us to be part of the same family as he and God the Father were part of. We enter into their family. God the Father is our Father, and Jesus is the firstborn, and we are all his brethren, as Jesus called us. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. A couple of notes about this family. Uh, first of all, it remind, the fact that Jesus is praying for this reminds me of a question my daughter asked me yesterday. <coughs> she said, well, Daddy, if we pray for the smoke to go away, won't it go away? Right? If we ask God to get rid of the smoke that we were breathing so that we could go outside and enjoy fresh air, won't God do it? And I said, well, there's a couple of you know, caveats about this God answering our prayer. One is we need to pray in faith, but we also need to pray according to God's will. And we don't know for sure that it's God's will for the smoke to go away. We want it to go away, but God may have some purposes in allowing the smoke to come in uh, that don't guarantee, even if we prayed in faith, believing God is able to remove the smoke, which he certainly can, <clears throat> it's possible the smoke won't go away. Well, now we're talking about Jesus praying. And you know when Jesus is praying, he and God's will are perfectly aligned. So when Jesus is praying for us to become the perfect family, him, God the Father, and us, all of those who have become the children of God through faith in Christ, you know God is going to answer that prayer request. Because Jesus prays according to God's will. And he prays in faith. And so we can be certain that God will honor his prayer. Now, 
Are we a perfect family right now? Well, maybe not. <laughs> Why not? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm still a sinner. And uh, I still act selfishly. And even in ordinary family, when one member of the family asks, acts selfishly and not in consideration toward the other members of the family, you will have family friction. And uh, the same is true in our supernatural family. As brothers and sisters in Christ, one of us, or all of us, could be acting in a selfish manner, and that will result in friction. What does it mean? It means that we will be a perfect family in heaven. Jesus continues, he says, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. Jesus wasn't just thinking about the here and now. He was thinking about our eternal state in heaven. We're not just a family here. We will be a family, all of us. We will be a family in heaven with the Lord Jesus. He will be the firstborn and God the Father will be our Father. We will, we will stay as a family. This is not a temporary experience being the family of God here on earth. We are just getting a foretaste of what it's like. Uh, when we go to Yosemite, this year we didn't get to go because of uh, the pandemic, but to me, Yosemite is like the closest I get to what heaven will be like. Because there we are in the beauty of God's creation, studying God's word in fellowship with God's people. Right? And that is what heaven will be like. We will be in the glory of God as Jesus asked God uh, to take us and reveal his glory to us there. But we will also have fellowship, not just with God, but with each other too. That is part of what heaven is. Now, don't worry, because in heaven I'll be perfect. So there won't be any of that selfishness that I have now, which is compromising the closeness of our fellowship. Okay, uh, what was my experience like? Uh, I remember uh, being saved uh, about, let me see if I can do the math right, 2020. Uh, it was 1996, so 24 years ago. Around this time, I don't know the actual date. I think once I estimated it was September 30th, but all I will say for sure now, it was around September, October. So very close to exactly 24 years ago. And uh, there was an amazing transformation for me toward the believers. Before I was saved, to me, believers were kind of annoying. You know, I didn't like the way they thought, the way they talked, the way they acted. Um, but I was curious enough about uh, the possibility of God being real and Jesus being the Messiah that I was going to a Bible study. And in that Bible study, which I shared over the years, God opened my eyes and I recognized what it was Jesus did for me. Jesus died for me on the cross of Calvary. And when I realized, when I believed that, my life completely changed. 
But one of the things that changed was my attitude toward other believers. All of a sudden, there was something about them I liked. Right? Instead of being, uh, you know, like the magnet when you have a north-south pole, instead of being the same pole north against north where you push each other, all of a sudden, I flipped. And it was the south pole, magnetic pole, against the north magnetic pole, and I was attracted to other believers. It was, a, it was really an instantaneous change that I felt. And it wasn't just with believers at Calvary. You might say, well, yeah, you've known them for a long time. Maybe all of a sudden you realize they weren't such bad people after all, and they were actually nice. No. Even with, you know, in a sense, complete strangers, right, people I don't know, and I, I meet them, and I find out that they're believers. All of a sudden, there's this attraction, right? There's a love that I feel for them because they're part of my family. They're part of my family. And this love isn't just in feeling or in word or in tongue, as First uh, John tells us, but it is in truth and in deed. Uh, believers have helped me in many ways over the years. Uh, just uh, this past summer when my wife and children were gone for a week or two, uh, a couple of, of believers at different times just spontaneously brought me meals, said, we have some food for you, would you like it? For sure I would like it. Right? Instead of living over leftovers, I had the opportunities of enjoying some delicious fresh food that was made for me. And it reminded me over the years many, many times the saints gathered together uh, when, when uh, my wife was sick or we had a child or one of our children had uh, many visits to the hospital. Uh, the saints gathered around us when uh, we were told that one of our, ch that, I mean, whenever one of our children has a, an emergency, which seems unfortunately to happen too frequently, we immediately reach out to the saints for prayer, asking the saints to pray for us. And it makes such a difference uh, to know that they are. Uh, I was given, you know, items of value. I, I still have a desk that uh, Lita gave me uh, many years ago. I don't know if you remember, Lita, that desk that you had. Uh, we're still using it. Um, recently, uh, Mike Bellis also gave us a desk. Uh, we got a bed from uh, the Robertsons gave us a, a double-decker bed, which we're still using uh, for our boys. Uh, I used to depend on, on the saints for rides a lot, and, uh, and Matt uh, just gave me a car, Brother Matt. Uh, I no longer have that car, but <laughs> I enjoyed uh, many miles driving on it. Uh, and also, it was a stick shift, so Matt had to teach me to drive that car before he could give it to me. I remember also it had a, a radio stereo that wasn't working right. Now, Matt was giving me a free car. He did not have to fix the radio stereo, but he did, you know, just so that I could enjoy the car he was giving me for free more. Uh, so the love of the saints is very real, and uh, I'm very thankful uh, for it. Now, I mentioned before that you know, we, we're still sinners, and as sinners, we rub each other the wrong way, and it does create friction in our supernatural family. And uh, Paul was aware of that. In his epistle to the Ephesians, 
he calls upon them and says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Paul knew that it required work on the believer's side to keep the family uh, together in peace, just like it does in real families, or I should say natural families. Uh, and so he lists here six different aspects of our bonds, if you would, of a supernatural family. What is it that connects us together? You know, other than the fact God placed us in his family, what are these bonds that are holding us together? And he, uh, he shares those in verses 4 and 5. He says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That is six. Six supernatural bonds. One, we are part of one body, the church. Uh, we are the body of Christ on earth. Right? We are his representative. We are the ones who are doing the work of his kingdom. We have one spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit plays uh, a crucial part of my life. It convicts me of sin when I'm going the wrong way. Uh, it gives me a desire to do the will of God, the power to do the will of God. It, it illuminates the word of God for me. It gives me love for my brothers and sisters in Christ. It, it, uh, it brings forth his fruit in my life, uh, gentleness, self-control, love, kindness. Um, so the, uh, you have the same spirit in you. So the Holy Spirit is working in me, is also working in you. If you are a member of the family of God. So that's one reason for, one more reason for this bond. The third one, we have one hope. I am looking forward to being in heaven. Right? That is my hope, to be in the presence of God, to be in the likeness uh, of Christ, to be with all of you brothers and sisters, uh, enjoying uh, God's glory. Well, you have the same hope. That's what you're looking for forward as well. Right? We have a shared hope, the same thing that motivates us uh, in this life. We have one Lord. Matt reminded us this morning of the preeminence of Christ and the fact that we should do all things to honor him. Well, you have the same Lord. You want to honor him too. Both of us have that same goal in our lives, to honor the Lord Jesus. We have one faith. Uh, we both believe the Bible. I was, my father sent me a, um, a YouTube of a rabbi explaining um, Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. It was a holiday that just passed a few days ago, and my dad sent it as a, um, uh, an email to me so I could check it out, said that he thought that this person was helpful, and I was thinking, well, maybe there's an opportunity here to uh, talk to my father about spiritual things, so I'll listen to what this rabbi had to say, how he explained the Day of Atonement, because I know the way Jews practice the Day of Atonement today is not consistent with God's word. Uh, so I was listening to the guy, and it was just, you know, going from bad to worse. 
I mean, the guy was all over the place and very, very far away from God. There was no, you know, I love my natural father, but I have no connection with him when it comes to faith, right? What he believes and what I believe are diametrically opposed. So it's not helping our relationship. Now, it doesn't mean I don't have a relationship with my father, but the fact that you and I have the same faith, we believe the same things, we read the same Bible, believing it is the inspired word of God. That's a tremendous bond that we have. We look at the world the same way because God's word uh, illuminates both of us as to God's truth. And then finally we have one, baptism. This could be interpreted in multiple ways. Uh, I was baptized uh, shortly after I was saved. So about 24, maybe 23 years ago. And, uh, you know, I went in the water, I came out, and it was a profession of, of faith or identification with Christ. It was my way. Well, first of all, I was obeying the Lord Jesus because that's what he asked me to do. But it was a public demonstration of my faith in him. I was, if you would, coming out of the closet. Right? I, was, I was telling the world, I am a Christian. God doesn't want us to be Christians in a closet. He wants us to be public Christians, which means we partake of the work of witness and winning people to God, and we could also partake in persecution. Sometimes there's hostility. The world uh, is an enemy of God. And so sometimes I will suffer, but you, know, you also were baptized. You share in the same. You're sharing in the public witness of the Lord Jesus, and you will share in the suffering uh, that the world, the shame that the world will heap upon his belief. We have that in common too. It's another bond you and I have is being baptized. So, yes, uh, there's, there's strains in our supernatural family because we're selfish sometimes and make mistakes, and that can tend to, to, to put... Uh, what do you call it, uh, splits uh, into God's family. Um, but we have these bonds that, that keep us together and should cause us to do what Paul asked the Ephesians to do, and that is with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, to bear with one another in love. Bear with my faults. We have all these reasons to stay united. We should make the effort to stay to exhibit this supernatural family, which is part of our testimony to, to the world of Christ's reality. As we live as a family, as people see our love, they're impressed and they want to know why. Uh, I've noticed that when I had the believers help me move, not to this last house, but the house before, you guys kept helping me from one house to another, and, and the neighbors were just amazed. You know, what's happening here? How come there's 20, 30 people coming with all these cars and with all these people's stuff and they're setting them up. You know, I had a, you know, the furniture's put what they need to do. Somebody made my bed for me. It was incredible. And it was a testimony of uh, the reality of Christ. Um, in closing, I want to read 
a segment from a recent uh, missionary uh, prayer letter or praise and prayer letter. Uh, this is from Larry Price. I think most of you know him. He used to be part of Mission Peak uh, Bible Chapel. He says this, my first trip of any distance from our home, and I think uh, what he means is since the pandemic. So he has been restricted from traveling in China, similar to us. And he says, my first trip of any distance from our home was to see and talk to June's uncle. June is Larry's wife. So he was talking basically to his uncle-in-law. Due to some family difficulties, June had not seen or talked with him in several years until about six weeks ago. He has diabetes and had already had all the toes cut off off his right foot. And uh, uh, the doctors were to cut off his big toe. So I think he's about to have his big toe cut off as well. He and his wife were staying with their daughter, so that would be June's cousin, who was caring for them. June's cousin had become a believer. So the daughter who's taking care of them is also a believer in the Lord Jesus and had been talking to her father. So she's witnessing to her father, who is June's uncle. I asked her to get her Chinese Bible and had her read the verses to her father, mother, and aunt. So this is Larry getting involved and having the uh, daughter read these Bible verses to her parents. He, the uncle, had realized he was a sinner and had already come to see June's father and apologized for all the things he had done wrong in the past after their father died. He seemed very near to believe when we had to leave, but had not done so yet. The next morning, June's cousin sent her a message telling her that her father asked her to go over everything one more time, and then he believed. So soon after this photo was taken, the two of them became brothers the second time. Praise the Lord. So, and that's what kind of caught my attention as I was thinking about today's message. Uh, June's father and this man became brothers the second time. They were already brothers once. They were already natural brothers. They were born to the same set of parents. Now they were brothers twice or a second time because they were both brothers in their natural family and in their supernatural family. And that is our desire uh, for our natural family, and it was Jesus' desire for his natural family. He didn't want his mother and brothers standing outside and not knowing him and his saving power. But going out to them wasn't going to help them at that time. He had to follow his Father's will, his heavenly Father's will. But we're encouraged to read in Acts 1 that as the believers, the 120 were gathered together in prayer, it says, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Now his mother and his brothers were on the inside they were together with the saints uh, praying to the Lord Jesus. And so we see that they were saved. We know, I know 
like me, many of you have unsaved uh, family, and you'd like to see them uh, saved. Let this be an encouragement to us as we follow our Heavenly Father's will and uh, lift them up in prayer to uh, see them one day become part of our supernatural family and, in, and, and uh, enjoy uh, God's blessings in their lives as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you uh, that you are uh, in the business of uh, taking unworthy <coughs> men and women who are part of Satan's family uh, and making them God's children, making us your children. And uh, it's, a, it's a great privilege to consider you as our brother, and, uh, and yet also a great joy to realize that you want us to love one another as you have loved us, that we would be part of an eternal family enjoying you and one another for all of eternity. We do lift up to you our many unsaved relations. We think of how it must have uh, uh, pained your heart to uh, see your mother and your brother standing outside. It hurts our hearts, Lord, to see many of our uh, members of our natural family standing outside and not knowing you or the blessings of being part of your supernatural family. Lord, we pray that you draw them to you. Help us be uh, faithful witnesses uh, to them in love, loving you, uh, loving them, and that they might come to know you and enter your, uh, your, your glory, your blessings as well. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.